0: Welcome to The Plants We Eat. Join us as we investigate the surprising history, biology, and culture behind The Plants. That we use for food. I'm Jeff Gilman, director of the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens and Plant History Enthusiast.
1: I'm Cindy Proctor, part time instructor from Central Piedmont in Charlotte, North Carolina, and a garden landscape professional.
0: Are you still calling yourself part time? Because you're you're teaching, what, three classes? I'm part time, though. Okay.
1: At least that's what they call me.
0: Okay. But you're increasing the number of classes that you're teaching. That's right. That's right.
1: So. Because I like to talk. (laughs) I never would have (laughs) guessed.
0: So this week we've got a. a plant that I've spent a lot of time with, a lot of time with, particularly as a graduate student down at the University of Georgia. And this is a, a true Georgia plant, a true native to Georgia, and that is the pecan or pecan or whatever you want to call it. Pecan. I like to call it pecan just because I like to say pecan. <laughs> anyway.
1: <laughs> I'll stop there. We both will.
0: It's just better if we do that. Uh, the pecan, of course, Native American food. Have you ever grown pecan?
1: No, but my grandmother did.
0: And how big? Do you know, first of all, do you know the variety she had?
1: I don't because I was a little girl. She liked to grow walnuts and pecans in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. We always had, or she always had a dish where you had the crackers. Oh, yes, know? yes. And her thing was she wanted them available to bake because they were so expensive. Mm-hmm. And she grew up in the Depression, so.
0: Right. Oh, Pecans, well, they've gone up and down in, in cost over the years. Um, right now we're at a relatively expensive phase right now. That which may, is what, you think? That may change. Which What's is, expensive? See, I can't, I don't know the actual numbers.
1: So it's like $3 for half a cup.
0: $3 for half a cup? Wow. Yeah,
1: chopped pecans. So wait, how much is it to make a pecan pie then? I don't want to. Let's p- grow a tree. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. I,
0: a lot. Well, pecan, you know, what they used to say, what the growers would say is that planting pecans now won't make you any money, but it'll make your kids a fortune.
1: That's true, because it In takes those, several years to bear fruit. Right. Bear I actually, nuts.
0: I've <laughs> actually known some pecan breeders, pecan breeders. It takes between fifteen and twenty years to get a decent crop. It Is takes, it that long? Yeah, well, a decent yeah. crop. A decent crop, okay. right? You'll get you'll get a nut or two um, around eight to fifteen years, depending okay. on the specific plant. They are grafted. There are there are a few different varieties. The ones that I'm most familiar with uh, include Stewart, Schley, Desirable, and Moneymaker. Those are what they're called. The old ones are Stewart and Schley, and there's also one called uh, Western Schley. Those are uh, thinner skin pecans and they used to be bred for for thinness of skin amount of meat and by meat we mean the, mean the inside uh, for you botanical nuts out there this is not a nut it is actually a droop in fact walnuts aren't nuts pecans right. aren't nuts hickories aren't nuts these are all actually droop
1: but we're going to call them the nut tree not the droop tree
0: we really i mean <laughs> you know uh, this is only for crazy botanical enthusiasts most of you out there are, you know hopefully just listening to this because you're interested in the food part so let's just forget <laughs> (laughs) about the whole not a nut thing it's a nut it's just you know botanically got this weird characterization okay so it's actually the state tree of texas if you're looking at the two states that produce the most nuts that'd be texas and georgia but there's some production across most of the southeast one of the interesting things to me was that this tree actually does grow way up north You, you can grow this tree in wisconsin Part of the problem with growing this tree in Wisconsin is that you're going to have a significant reduction in the amount of nuts that it produces. But it will go all the way up into Wisconsin. In fact, it would grow in Minnesota, but you get essentially no nuts, but it would deal with the weather up there. This is a huge tree, absolutely immense tree. Humongous. Humongous, I like that word, humongous. So let me give you, give you a little bit of contrast here. So let's say you're growing apples. Apples are usually grown on a dwarf rootstock, as those of you who listened to our apple episode know. <laughs> uh, with this dwarf rootstock, uh, you can fit as many as 1,200, sometimes even more, plants per acre. That's 1,200 plants per acre. With a pecan, when it is at its full size, pecan will be about 12 trees per acre. So, I mean, just stark contrast in the number of trees you get breaker. These are 100 to 120 foot trees at maturity. They're just incredible.
1: You know, we had them all over at NC State because I learned that NC State was established on an old pecan farm. Was it really? Yes. Neat. So they had them all over the place.
0: Okay, fantastic. Yes, it'd be interesting. They probably actually know what varieties they are then, if they have. Them uh, you're right. It. It'd be interesting to know. Okay, I'll find out. For and you. these are 100, 200, 250 year old trees. They can live that long without too much trouble. You might wonder about harvesting nuts from a tree like this. Well, first of all, let me let me let me back up a little bit. You know. In this podcast, we've talked a lot about plants that give a tremendous amount of yield per acre. This is not a plant that has a tremendous yield per acre. On an acre, you can expect between 1,000 to 2,000 pounds, and that's unshelled, of, uh, of pecans. And really, in terms of nutritive value... It'd be considered relatively low. This isn't a, a tree for a, a community that's starving. This is a, what I'm going to call a luxury food. It, okay, it, it fair really, enough. I mean, I is agree. that fair? Mm-hmm. It's a luxury. We know that we don't need it because, shoot, there are enough people out there with allergies to it that sure. they, they can't eat it. By the way, I, I didn't point this out at the beginning. I do think pecans are absolutely delicious.
1: They are. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean, I I have I had walnuts the other day. I'm just No, no, no. They're too dry. I just don't cut pecan it. pecan is the deal. Yeah. especially pecan pie
0: pecan pie do you know pecan pie can have a pound and a half of nuts i think did i say that they can have a pound <laughs> and a half of nuts and um have you ever had a shoe fly pie yes it seems that like every they're from pennsylvania aren't they? exactly they're from pennsylvania you're I'm impressed i from. knew that i i am really impressed okay <laughs> it's a it's very much a um an amish uh, thing uh mennonite anyway um the interesting things to me is that I, I think that every um, area of the United States has its own little, like, special too sweet pie, and the pecan pie would be the too sweet pie of the South, and the, you know, the uh, shoofly pie would be the too sweet pie of the North. And actually, they're roughly similar. Yeah, go ahead.
1: St. Louis is uh, the gooey butter cake. Oh, okay. What, what is it? It has nothing to do with pecans or anything. Sorry. It's important. It just made me feel nostalgic for a minute. <laughs> It's butter and cake.
0: Okay, butter and cake. So it's got plenty of fat, too. Oh,
1: it's amazing. It sounds really good. Yes, every time I go home, so I... See,
0: now I'm going to be trying to do this podcast. I'm just going to be thinking about that cake. <laughs> um, the, so with this... Um, it's back up here. but Get back to the science. Okay. Okay, all right, here we go. So there are a few interesting things about pecan production. First of all, with this 100, 120-foot tree... You may wonder how you get the nuts down. (laughs) And I have experienced this firsthand.
1: Okay. Because of your research? Because of my research.
0: um, So let me tell you about the first part. The second part could be a whole long story, but I'm going to shorten it. So the first part is how you get the nuts down. They have this immense shaker. It's called a shaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very scientific word. (laughs) Basically, this tremendous truck with this huge arm. The arm grabs around the stem of the pecan tree and just shakes it like you can't believe.
1: Just the these, arborist in me it is, goes yeah, and is the shoe goes back
0: and forth, and these nuts fall. And if you're standing under it, which you wouldn't want to be actually anyway around this it, because of the noise, and the but if you're standing under it, a nut would fall in your head and it would really hurt. Then after they shake it, they come through you know, those kind of old fashioned they'll call them vacuums, but they're not really a vacuum, like a whisk brush with mm-hmm. this spinning mm-hmm. um brush that kicks stuff back into your, your dust catcher. You know what I'm talking yes. about? You used to run them across tables to pick up dust. You'd run them across the floor. They're not a vacuum. They just kick stuff up into this basket. Well, it's like an immense one of those that's pulled behind this tractor. And so they pick up these pecans and kick them into the back at high speeds. Well, I was sampling pecans for this particular insect damage, and I was standing in the back of this with these pecans flying into my body and head. (laughs) And let me tell you, I I spent about, I I thought this was a reasonable idea to get these nuts to sample them. spent about five minutes there, and I came out black and blue. (laughs) Anyway, it was absolutely awful. I'd never do that again. What we do for research. What we do for research. (laughs) uh, There are some people out there who really sacrifice for research, and after that, I can say that I am (laughs) indeed (laughs) indeed one of them. Uh, Also, trees do go through a two-year cycle, so this is a natural cycle, and they actually select for trees that don't go through this Mm -hmm. two-year cycle, but what happens, you have an on-year, and off-year, and one year, you'll get, let's say, 50 pounds per tree, and the next year, you'll get 10 pounds per tree. This is actually normal for many of your, what we call nut trees. Again, hickories, walnuts, pecans, all of these trees typically go through this two-year cycle. So the pecan is actually, I've been separating hickory and pecan, but the pecan is actually a type of hickory. And so it's, it's in the same genus. There are about 20 species of hickory. And uh, of them, I'd say that pecan is considered the most edible, the one you'd most want to have in your salad or in your nut mix. Mm-hmm. But there actually are a number of other ones that are, that are eaten, particularly in China. There are actually a few uh, edible hickory varieties in China, which is going to be important a little bit later. We'll, we'll get back to that. So when I was working in pecans, uh, I spent most of my time, I I was an entomologist back then, I I was spending most of my time dealing with insects. and, And one of the things that really affected me as I was working with these pecans was the realization that because a plant is native does not necessarily mean that it has fewer pests. The pecan tree actually has this tremendous number of insect pests. And actually, the pesticide load on pecan is crazy. I got to use, I, I had the opportunity to use what is considered to be the most acutely toxic pesticide um, that was ever used in uh, fields. Are you familiar with temik or aldicarb? No. Okay, well, it was temic.
1: I've heard of temic. Yeah. Okay.
0: Very, very toxic. It's actually taken off the market in 2010. You could still use up your stores reintroduced just a few years ago, but not for pecan. This stuff is so toxic. And you know, I'm going to report what somebody else said to me. I don't know if this is true, but I know this stuff was hot. If you used it in grass around the pecan fields and then tried to walk barefoot through there the next morning, the dew in the grass would contain so much of this product that would go through your feet. And you wouldn't make it a hundred yards. Wow. Now, I, there were farmers I knew who I won't divulge now who would use this stuff illegally to get rid of deer. Um, you'd put it, near a plant that you knew the deer would eat it was very soluble in water it would go up into the plant and the plant would become very toxic and it would kill the deer when they ate it not only would it kill the deer but also kill the coyotes who came to eat the deer's body mm. extremely, extremely toxic stuff and of course now they're using different chemicals to, to replace those uh, <laughs> let's most hope of them, so, right? <laughs> well, let's hope so most of them not as toxic but potentially just as environmentally damaging uh, this is, by the way, a, a nerve toxic very dangerous stuff it was only available as a granular the idea being that a granular pesticide was safer than any kind of a spray.
1: So what was it used for? Like, what was the purpose?
0: Okay, so it was a systemic. And mm-hmm. as a systemic, it went up and got into the leaves of the plant, making the leaves extremely toxic to insects. There were three aphids that attacked pecans. There's the green aphid, the black margined aphid, and the black aphid. Now, when you think of aphids on a plant, you typically think of a whole bunch on one area. And you think of a little bit of wrinkling of the leaf, but you think of a lot of aphids before they caused a problem. Well, that was the green aphid. The green aphid you could have a whole bunch of on a leaf, and it wasn't good for the leaf, but the tree could handle it. Black margined aphid, it could, uh, you could get a large number on the leaf. Not as many as the green, but a large number. Then there was the black aphid, and two or three black aphids on a leaf. Just two or three aphids, and you know how small an aphid is, right. that leaf would fall off the tree. It was crazy. I've never seen an aphid have such an extreme effect. But that's the reason they were using this product was to prevent major defoliation well, from this uh, it's not Well, it's a
1: plant pest. grown for food and livelihood. Yes. It's not, a, it's not a, a maple tree.
0: No, you're exactly right. So we would protect this tree. Mm-hmm. This is when I first started working with insects and the first time that I started working with pesticides. So I, I talked with people who were working with Temek and I said, this stuff is, is insane how toxic it is. Aren't you afraid that it'll get into the nuts? And the thing is... There's been a lot of research done on this, and the pesticide, like so many of our systemic pesticides, pesticides that go all through the plant, for whatever reason, it simply does not get into the nut at, any, at detectable levels using normal equipment. So it's amazing to me that the leaves can be so incredibly toxic, and yet it doesn't get into the fruit in any significant.
1: That makes me want to read, like listen, read more about how... Yeah,
0: it's fascinating yeah, stuff, okay. and probably not for this podcast, right. but, re- but really, really interesting. The other interesting insects that affect this plant are ones that affect the nuts. And, and for the most part, besides this black aphid, which was such a big problem, the, the insects that we were looking at, that we were concerned about, that were affecting the pecan trees included the pecan weevil, which has this incredibly—you've seen those weevils with the crazy long snouts. Yes that's one of those is the pecan weevil just crazy long snout and then there would also be certain stink bugs which could infest the nut and also create quite a problem so there were actually a number of insect pests that would cause problems on pecan and they'd have all kinds of ways to detect um, whether the whether the pecans were healthy or not mm-hmm. um, one of them being simply cracking it open and cracking shells open is another whole big thing um, they have all these machines that have been invented to automatically crack nuts open because uh, we like to have the meat without we're we're uh, we're spoiled here. <laughs> we ship out a lot of pecans. Most of the pecans we ship out are in shell, but here we mostly like the shell pecans. Well, convenience, convenience. We like yes. we like convenience. The eighty percent of the world's pecans do come from the uh, from the United States. And nuts are, as everybody knows, or as most people know, nuts are very energy dense. They're really high in fiber and protein. And one of the uh, really interesting papers that I read was about satiation and becoming obese. And the paper pointed out that when people eat nuts, they usually reach satiation very rapidly because they're so high in fiber and protein. Um, And this actually fiber protein and also certain fats. And because of this, we reach satiation very rapidly when we're eating particularly pecans. And so it can really help us keep our weight down. I found that really, uh, really interesting. Hold on
1: just a second. Do you know how much fat is in a cup of pecans? No, tell me. <laughs> now, 71 I'm, grams. My goodness. Dang. That's a lot. <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> a- and actually they were somewhat lower in protein. They were. Than I thought they were.
1: That's right. And I saw I was interested. And I only looked that up because I eat more fat than anything else. Boy, that would take care of my whole daily <laughs> it, it, need it right does, there. But they're healthy fats. Yes. Healthy no, no, fat. I'm okay with that. And, it just uh, was a whole cup. And I I'm eat saying a whole saying
0: cup? I'm saying they're lower in protein. Is yeah, certainly are good source of protein they're just not that great source of protein Mm -hmm. that i thought they were peanuts would be
1: so i think it was uh like nine grams seven grams for that whole cup of protein which isn't a lot but you have all that fat maybe that would sustain you
0: have you ever eaten a whole cup of pecans
1: no but i kind of want to now
0: if they were candied
1: maybe oh certainly (laughs) but i might i might do that one day (laughs) so so pecans
0: (laughs) again Pecans are from the, uh, the United States. I should say they're from the West because, indeed, there are some pecans that grow down in, uh, in Mexico. But, as I stated before, pecans are actually a type of hickory nut. And, you know, hickories are extremely popular in China. Did you, did you know that? No. So, okay, so, so hickories are actually quite popular in China. Now, something happened recently which was really interesting, and that is that around 2000, China hickory producers really couldn't keep up with the demand. In 2000, China imported less than 100,000 pounds of pecans. You see, China discovered pecans and found that they were a really good replacement for their hickory nuts. So, in 2000, China imported 100,000 pounds of pecans. In 2012, they imported somewhere in the range of 100 million pounds. In 2017, they imported almost $304 million worth of in-shell pecans. Almost a third of the pecans produced in the United States go to China. Now, how, how are they sold in China? It's kind of interesting because they're not. It's not the way you'd think. They roast the pecans in shell, then they'll crack them, and then they'll put them in a brine solution, and then um, and then roast them in the shell as the nut is heated. That sounds
1: amazing. It doesn't it.
0: It actually sounds a little bit like those in shell salted peanuts, yes. except done with a pecan. Apparently, they'll sometimes also they're also shelled and soaked in a flavored solution um, before they're packaged and sold to consumers to get some flavor in there. All right, now, so all this is pretty neat. China getting a third of our pecans, big demand, uh, raises the price for us here in the United States, obviously. But this whole dynamic is going to change. You know how recently uh, we're going through some tariff wars yes, right now? Yes, I was just China? thinking
1: of that when you were telling me this.
0: Well, things have changed over the years. When they started out, um, nuts were, or pecans were taxed around 24%. Over the years, that went down to about 7%. That is about to change. China is going to be putting a tariff on American nuts, and they're going to hit us where it hurts. China's going to be putting a 47% wow. tariff on our pecans. Let's
1: go to Costco.
0: <laughs> I know. We need to. We need to well, once the thing is, once they put this tariff on the American nuts, pecans are going to drop in price yep. for us. So that'll be, that'll be nice but for China. But we have China. to buy
1: more to help the pecan farmers with their volume. Uh, off we go. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're headed
0: to Costco right after That's this. That's right. <laughs> So what I want to know from you at this point, pecans, do you want one in your backyard?
1: Well, I would for nostalgic reasons, but they're kind of trashy. They are trashy. They're tree. a little trashy tree yeah. and, in, and in an urban trashy, area, you know, it's not always desired. And,
0: by trashy tree, um, what we mean is that it, it drops a lot of leaves. And not only does it drop a lot of leaves, it drops a lot of nuts. Yes. And here's the that thing. That aren't about, worth That aren't eat. worth, yes, yes. exactly. If, even if you plant, let's say you plant even a desirable variety. Let's say you plant a, a schly. I like schlies. Let's say you plant a schly. If we're out in the field with in, in a uh, in a treated orchard, probably ninety five to ninety eight percent of those nuts are going to be absolutely pristine perfect in your backyard, well, it's going to vary place to place. It depends on pressure. But I'd say fifty percent is a pretty good haul if fifty percent of your nuts are good, pristine
1: well, if I had several acres, for sure, I'd have a couple of pecan trees, but yes. not 0.25 acres. Yeah, and I'm on yeah. about the same size yeah.
0: lot, and on 0.25 acres, I could not see having a pecan tree, because it would literally take up, it would be the tree in the yard. Right,
1: and it's got decent fall color. You know? And then all those leaves fall. Yes. All the leaves Leafless. fall. Leaflets.
0: It's true, there are leaflets. <laughs> all the leaflets fall from your 120-foot tree. <laughs> But you Dang. know,
1: but you know, it has, it, it grows in versatile soil. I mean, mm-hmm. it it's really easy to grow Yeah, it's... if you wanted to, if you weren't like us and being a little pessimistic about it, but it's really easy to grow, but it does take a long time to bear. I keep wanting to say fruit, bear nuts, bear droops. It,
0: it, <laughs> it does. Um... One of the things that my wife treasures actually are, are nuts from her grandparents' trees mm-hmm. went from when they were in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And it's really neat to have a, a grandparent's home with, with pecans in it. And I honestly wish that I had enough land so that I could plant a pecan and have that available for my kids and my grandkids in the future that to come and say... That would be a bad
1: idea. Yeah, that would be good. Have but, a legacy.
0: Right. But right now that's... You know, on, again, 0. 0.25 acres. You know, what's
1: interesting is uh, a small tree, even though that's a large tree, but you could consider it to be a legacy tree. Have you ever planted legacy trees? For other
0: people, I have. Yes, but not so for, this could not be a legacy myself. tree. For sure, it could. And it's a, it's a great
1: tree. It is a great tree. Um,
0: and as you said, you know, there's so many plants they talk about they talk about native plants doing well on Native American soil, and actually, that's kind of bold because of the way we've ruined the ground. Well, that's true over the years. Mm-hmm. It, but that is true with the mm-hmm. pecan tree. Mm-hmm. It, it's really uh, a lovely tree that can fare well. Uh, under many many different conditions that we have created, it can do well in lousy soil.
1: You're kind of making me want to plant one now.
0: <laughs> I believe the money maker is a, a slightly smaller. Okay, tray. Same. Well, I so you
1: would I would plant them bare root though if yes. you want to. And there's wonderful uh, mail order places like Stark Brothers. Yes, uh, who offers it, and they and they teach you about it. Do you need? Don't you need two for pollination though?
0: Um, so yes, generally speaking, this is a Tree that needs cross pollination, not always, but generally speaking, it is uh, something known as monoecious, which means it has separate male and female flowers on the same plant. But on the same plant, the male will rarely fertilize the female, so you just need two different trees to cross
1: pollinate. That's fascinating yes. to me. Isn't it neat stuff? Yes, it's neat. It is a, a it's a,
0: it's a really, if I had more land, I would really.
1: Well, I'm glad you uh, recommended we talk about it today.
0: (laughs) I I enjoyed it. I I am too. It's a, it's a fun plant. One, one that's worth trying out. And honestly, it is, it is my favorite nut. Well, my favorite droop posing as a nut. How about (laughs) that? Well, thank you for listening to The Plants We Eat. This has been a production of the University of North Carolina at Charlotte Botanical Gardens, the Isle Group at University of North Carolina at Charlotte, and the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.